0: Well, after landing Ryan Nemhard out from under Tommy Lloyd and Arizona, Mark Few and the Gonzaga Bulldogs sent a very clear message: We are still the top dogs out west. You are locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga basketball. And today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, we're going to hear some quotes from Graham Ek about his health and reasoning for choosing Gonzaga in the final segment. We're also going to talk about what this team needs to do, if anything else, to be a preseason top 10 team heading into the 2023-24 season. But we're going to lead today's show talking about Mark Few's decisive victory over Tommy Lloyd on the recruiting trail, or the I guess I should say the transfer portal trail, landing of course, Ryan Nemhard from Creighton. And look, this was a clear message. This is a clear, decisive message from Gonzaga to, from Mark Few, from Gonzaga to everybody, not directly to Tommy Lloyd, not directly to Arizona, but to everybody is like, hey, we're not going anywhere. And I think so much of the conversation in the last few off seasons, the last few years really around Gonzaga has been, and, and, and much of this has come from the fan base and I don't want to belittle or, or. I understand why some of these fears existed, but there was so much fear around how NIL is going to impact Gonzaga's ability to land high-profile players, how losing Tommy Lloyd is going to impact Gonzaga's ability to recruit domestically, to recruit internationally, to land transfer portal players, to make and continue those kind of connections. And between the fears about... NIL, which, I, again, I understand. I understand both of these concerns. I understand why there was fear that losing Tommy Lloyd, who'd been a staple, a huge part of the program for decades, why losing him was a concern to people, especially when you saw the immediate success that he had coaching at Arizona. And I and NIL, certainly, there, there's a lot of kind of confusion and fear and anxiety for fans of, of many programs, but specifically a school like Gonzaga that is not as big as – even school like Arizona, but certainly like UCLA or Duke or North Carolina or Alabama or Arkansas or Michigan State or any of those programs who have more money, more more donors, more boosters, more financial backing. I get it. It is obvious to see why some of those concerns might exist. And when you look at Gonzaga, who has continued to find ways to be a bit ahead of the curve and a bit kind of they, I mean, I've used this term before, and it's kind of cheeky, but uh, they zig or they zag while everybody else zigs. Like they have continued to find ways to kind of circumvent and and, and find success, whether it was uh, utilizing the graduate transfer uh, year immediate eligibility kind of before a lot of people realized how beneficial that could be, uh, utilizing international players, uh, utilizing the sit-out transfer with guys like Kyle Wiltshire, Nigel Williams-Goss, etc. We've seen Gonzaga continue to kind of be – on the cutting edge of figuring out how to find and develop and produce talented teams and NCAA tournament programs. And they've continued to do it forever. And when we saw these massive changes come to college basketball and we saw Gonzaga strike out with a few players they wanted last year. And, and we saw the team, you know, this year's roster didn't have, didn't have as successful as a season as many would have wanted. Of course, they ended up in the elite eight. So who are we to necessarily complain too much? But I think it's fair to say that a team that was preseason number two, that went through some of the early season struggles that they went through, lost that game to LMU in the regular season. Like there was some, some obvious concern about Gonzaga. And then this off season started, we saw players enter the portal, which is something that is very unusual at Gonzaga. It is rare to see players choose to leave this school. And so there was fear. There was concern. There was, and for some people, panic. Trust me, I read my mentions. I seen the YouTube comments. There was panic, and I'm not. Again, I'm not trying to trash anybody. I get it. I get why that concern existed. But man, what a statement! What an absolute statement! And now, Arizona is just the the fan base, folks. For those of you who are not on Twitter. Hey, congratulations. That's an awesome accomplishment because it, it can be a bit messy uh, on the old twitter.com especially these days, but man, Arizona fans are are struggling right now. Let's let's put it that way. They're struggling with this and and understandably when the minute Ryan Emhart entered the transfer portal uh, a couple of weeks ago, the minute that he entered the portal, everybody said, oh, well, he's going to Arizona. Tommy recruited Andrew to come to Spokane. Why wouldn't Tommy be able to record Ryan, rec- recruit Ryan to come to Tucson and play for the Wildcats? They lost their point guard, Kirk Creasa. He headed out to West Virginia. This is an obvious sign, sealed, delivered. This is done. And then Ryan Nemhard visits Spokane, and he doesn't leave Spokane having committed to the Zags, and he goes to Tucson, and it's like bang, bang. This thing is done. Tommy wrapped him up. They got their point guard of the future. Nem Balo. It's going to be a great pairing in Arizona. They're going to be in our top 10 team. And then that's not what happened. And it's just, it's such a tremendous power move for Mark Few. A power, I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's a power move. It is an absolute statement, decisive moment to tell everybody, hey, we are, we're not out of this. We may not have as much money as Arizona. I don't know all of the financial backing that goes into this stuff. I really don't. don't, I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I think it's fair to say that the general consensus, the general belief is that Gonzaga financially is not going to be able to to provide as much NIL for players like Ryan Nempard as some of the other big schools. And either that's true or not, but it didn't matter. In this case, it didn't matter. Maybe Arizona did offer Ryan Nempard more money. If that's the case, then this is even more of an indictment. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll say it. An indictment on Tommy Lloyd and a, a proof of how good Mark Few is at what he does. If he was able to land Ryan Nemhard without offering as much money, it either means that or it means that Gonzaga offered Ryan Nemhard more money. Either way, it's a, it's a pretty darn good thing. Either they offered less money and still got him or they offered more money and got him. It's, it's a win-win. It's a good thing either way. Obviously, Ryan Nemhard's decision came down to significantly more than money perhaps more than many other players in the portal because he has this connection to the program because of his brother's tremendous success, not just at Gonzaga, but as an NBA player. And do not get it twisted, folks. Andrew Nemhard's success on the Indiana Pacers last year played a role here. It absolutely, I don't know how it couldn't. I don't know how it couldn't. If you want to be an NBA player like Ryan Nemhard almost certainly does, you want to be able to go into a system where you feel very confident that this system is going to get me prepared to be an NBA player. How much more definitive proof could he need than seeing Andrew do what he did last year as a rookie? So to me, that was a huge part of this. So for me, if Gonzaga can keep recruiting or if Gonzaga can keep producing talent the way that they have, if they can continue to develop and grow their players to turn them not only into the best versions of themselves in college that they can be, but to turn them into elite professional athletes, Rui Hachemira is straight up dominating the NBA playoffs right now. He's dominating the only player in NBA history to have a, more than 17 points per game and over 60% field goal percentage in the playoffs for, for his career with, with a certain number of field goal attempts. He's it. It's it. It's Rui. He's the only one. DeMontis Sabonis has been killing it in the NBA. He's made headlines for a lot of other reasons, but he's been dominant. Like this, this program continues to churn out this level of talent and puts them in the NBA at a high clip. And to me, that is going to continue to get them talent. NIL be darned. Other you know coaches leaving be darned. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter. And this, and I mean, we, we haven't even talked about Graham E.K. That's a huge addition as well. And we'll talk about him more in the third and final segment. And and I don't know how, how highly sought after he was by other programs, especially after missing an entire year, but Graham Ike was one of the top bigs available on the portal. And Gonzaga said, thank you very much. We're going to take him. We're going to take the best point guard available on the portal. We're going to throw them into our starting lineup alongside a player that I think is going to forever be underrated as a transfer portal addition in Steel Venters until we see what he can do on the court. I think he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. But this to me is just proof that Gonzaga has continued to find ways to build and develop elite talent, elite rosters, and no matter what happens. No matter what changes come in college basketball, no matter what coaches leave, no matter what rules come in, no matter what financial disadvantages Gonzaga may or may not be at, it just doesn't matter. And Mark Few and the staff proved it as definitively as they possibly can with a tremendous weekend uh, by landing Ryan Nemhard and Graham E.K. Well, after landing that pair of elite transfers this weekend, are the Zags primed to be a preseason top 10 or heck, top five team next year? More on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Grand Slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Maybe you Zag fans want to bet on Marco Gonzalez to get a win for the Mariners or perhaps Eli Morgan to snag a save for the Guardians. Don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, segment two, Stelly Patton's still locked on Zach's. And I want to thank all of you sincerely for making locked on Zags your first listen every day. For you, everyday listeners, tomorrow on the show, we will look at a seven foot four rim protecting center from florida state who the zags are already connected to you can guess why thanks to their new assistant coach rj barsh who came over from florida state we're going to talk all about him we're going to talk about more transfer portal targets for the zags and of course later in the week continue our season in review series so don't miss out everyday listeners i appreciate every single one of you here on locked on zags all right folks i want to talk about whether the zags are right now on April 23rd, as I'm recording this, before the NBA draft deadline, before the transfer portal window has closed, before players have made decisions whether they're going to come back to school, uh, before the <laughs> play—I mean, before everything—way before anything starts, I want to talk about whether Gonzaga is right now in that conversation for a preseason top ten, top five team, and if not, what things need to change. Right now, the biggest two questions around Gonzaga basketball involve Anton Watson and Malachi Smith. That, to me, makes it impossible to really gauge where is going to be because we don't know what's going to happen with those two players. Everybody else, we pretty much know. We, Julian Strother's not coming back. I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if that happened, he can, to be clear, it is not a, he's not ineligible to return, but I would be very, very surprised if that happened. Rasir Bolton cannot come back. Drew Timmy would be even more surprising if Julian Strother, uh, or even more surprising if he were to make the decision to return. Uh, he has not yet declared for the NBA draft publicly, at least, but I think that by the time you're listening to this, certainly he probably will have so. You're losing three huge players from last year's roster. You lose three players in the transfer portal. Um, all depth options, although Hunter Salas was going to step into a pretty significant role, and that's a really tough loss. That's not to discredit Efton Reed or Dominic Harris, who are both tough losses as well. But you're looking at a, at a team that, that lost so much and now has found just a tremendous way to replace them with Graham EK, with Steele Venters, with Ryan Nempard And I think there's still a few questions that need to be answered in order to determine whether this team truly is going to be a top 10 team, because you can't just replace Drew Timmy. And last year Gonzaga was a top 10 team, not not entirely because of Drew Timmy, but man, in a lot of ways, because of Drew Timmy. And so to, to lose him. Uh, and I mean, Graham EK doesn't just replace Drew Timmy. That's not how it works. He's not just as good as him. He's going to be a high usage, low post scorer, And I think he's going to do some good things, but that's a really, really tough loss. Uh, and then from the guard room, uh, Bolton and Strother, Venters and Nemhard is, I mean, Nemhard's fantastic. He fills such a, a need for this team from a point guard perspective, but I think you need to figure out what's going to happen with Watson and Smith before you can make a really strong determination. I have said this on the podcast and I will continue to stand by this statement. My my suspicion is that Anton Watson is going to return. I think he's going to probably declare for the NBA draft. And I think that that makes sense for him to do so, to get that feedback, to get that evaluation, to hear what they have to say about his NBA draft aspirations, things he needs to work on, things they like, all of that good stuff. But I think that it doesn't strike me as particularly likely that he is going to leave. So I think he's probably back. Malachi Smith, I am much less confident that he returns. I think there's a good chance that he is ready to pursue his professional basketball playing career. I know a lot of people have said, well, he's not going to get drafted. Why do you declare for the NBA draft? Why wouldn't you to get feedback, to, to learn, to grow, to, to develop, to get, to play against the best of the best, to prove yourself. And if he doesn't end up getting drafted and if he get the feedback he gets is that like, Hey, Hey, you're, you know, you're a talented player. We like this and this, but you know, there's, there's so-and-so reasons that we, you know, we're, we're probably going to pass on you, but we'd love to sign you in the summer league, like, whatever feedback he might get. I, that doesn't mean, Oh, I, I coming back to college doesn't necessarily help him. It might, it has before. There are players who have come back for their fourth, fifth, sixth years of college and, and improved their draft stock to the point where they they did end up getting selected. But for Malachi Smith, I think there's a reasonable chance that he decides to venture out and begin his professional career, whether it happens overseas, whether it starts in the G League, whatever it may be. That's my guess. He, he obviously could choose to return. And if he did, he would have a very, very big role for this team. But if we're looking at the assumption that Watson is back and, and Malachi Smith is not, The roster rotation that I suspect we're going to be looking at for next year is as follows. Graham E.K., Anton Watson, Steel Venters, Nolan Hickman, Ryan Nemphard. That is what I believe will be the starting lineup. The depth options that I believe will play significant minutes, Ben Gregg. I think South Korean Jun Suk-yo is going to play big minutes next year. I'm not exactly sure where. He's 6'8". He his, the numbers we have on him show him as being a very, very good rebounder, but that's when he was the U19 FIBA. So I don't really know how, whether he's a true power forward, whether he plays a little bit more of a wing role, kind of hard to to pin him down right now. And as much as Watson and Smith are my biggest questions in terms of this team being a top 10 team, he's next, he's next on the list because there's a real chance that at 21, he's ready to be a big time contributor like not just a a bring him along slowly like a Rui hatchamira 3 4 year plan of like kind of gradually getting more minutes like he's that's not who he is he's not he's, he's he doesn't need that necessarily and that's what i want to find out more of that's what i want to learn is is he ready to come in and play 15 20 25 minutes a night is he going to challenge for a starting job like there are these are things that could in theory happen that completely change the complexion of gonzaga's roster next year and of whether they are a top 10, top five caliber program. Uh, outside of Greg and Yo, uh, Dusty Stromer is going to be a rotation player as well. He's going to play a little bit of two, a little bit of one, a little bit of three, potentially. I think he's got all the, uh he's he's got the capability to play all those positions, high level score. We'll see what kind of impact he makes on the defensive end of the floor, especially as a freshman. Uh, and then after that, that's where it gets a little dicey. Ben Greg, Yo, Dusty Stromer, all rotation players. That's an eight man rotation, but you don't really have a lot of, you need more guard depth you need more guard depth the nice thing about starting both Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nemhard in this scenario is that if Nemhard came off the bench or came came off the floor and needed to be benched you don't necessarily need to bring in a point guard you could bring Nemhard off the floor bring Dusty Stromer in shift Nolan Hickman to the point guard you'd be totally fine so I think Gonzaga can look more for a combo guard if they need to but they also could, could go find a peer point guard. Like they have the the flexibility to look for somebody who kind of fits both of those things. So that's the biggest area that I think we need to see them grow. Especially if Malachi Smith doesn't come back, if you can find another sixth man of the year caliber player on the transfer portal, which I mean, it's asking a lot, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to find guys like that, but Gonzaga has done it before. And there's, there's reason to believe they can do it again. If they can find that kind of player with the rest of this roster, and EK is healthy and yo is kind of a, a, the best version of him that we imagine he could be. Yeah. It's not, it's not hard to imagine this team being in that conversation. A few things got to fall their way, but that's always the case you always got to have a few things fall your way. Uh, I think outside of this group, you also have Caden Perry, you have Braden Huff, you have Alex Tui, all guys who kind of play the, the four five. So you have a lot of depth in the front court. Less depth in the backcourt. And and unfortunately, part of the the issue with the frontcourt depth that I've talked about a few times, everyday listeners will will probably know where I'm going with this because it's been a huge part of the conversation for this team is you have a lot of guys in the frontcourt, but you don't have a lot of rim protection. And that to me still feels like a significant area of need for the Zags. They just don't have enough of it right now. It's not Anton Watson's role. Anton Watson is an elite, elite perimeter defensive player. He has really active hands. He's great at trap defense. He's great at at on-ball defense. Even his help defense is good, but he's not a rim protector. He doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the height. Uh, That's just not his role. Ben Gregg? not his role. Same thing. Good defensive player has grown tremendously on that end of the floor. He did not look good on defense his first couple of years and really worked hard physically, worked hard uh, just learning that element of the game, but he's better at hedging screens and kind of that's, that's better. That's more of his strength defensively. He's not really, he's not a rim protector. Graham EK up to this point in his career has not been a rim protector. Maybe Gonzaga sees something in him that indicates that they believe he can fill that role for them, but he's also six, nine. He's not that big. So I think that rim protection is a significant issue. The only player on this team that I really believe has rim protection pedigree is Caden Perry. And for a top 10 team, if your best rim protector is a guy who has played eight games in two years, not because of injury, not because of a lack of talent, but because of injury, that's still questionable. I don't know what Caden Perry is going to look like next year. I hope, I hope that he comes back and he shows that bounce. And that athleticism and that high energy tenacity that we saw from him in brief glimpses his freshman year that we saw from him on those tremendous highlight clips of him from high school. But I don't envision him being more than a fourth big. I don't think there's a a reality where Caden Perry is playing minutes over Ben Gregg or Graham E.K. or Anton Watson. I think he's going to compete heavily for minutes with Braden Huff who redshirted last year and is not going to stay at Gonzaga if he's not playing. So there's, they, they got to figure out how that's going to shake out. But to me, Caden Perry can't be your best source of rim protection. It's not a knock on him. It's just, you, you need more than that. So if they go out and land a a big rim protector, we will talk about a big rim rim protector on Tuesday's episode of lockdown Zach. We're going to talk about Florida state player who's seven foot four, who blocked a whole bunch of shots last year for the Seminoles. If he comes over, you know, you, you great, you have your rim protection, but what is what does that do to the rest of the rotation of the big men? It's, it's an interesting issue that Gonzaga has right now. I'm curious how this is going to shake out. But to me, if this team goes into next season with the same or less rim protection as they had last year, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that that's an area that they're going to need to continue to grow at um, in order to, to when you get to the NCAA tournament, you have all these guards who are just attacking the basket constantly and getting switches and getting to the rim, and, and you don't have anybody to stop them there it's going to cause some problems. For me right now, there's a whole bunch of teams in the conversation for top 10. Some of them have brought in really, really elite recruiting classes. Some of them have added some tremendous talent in the transfer portal. Some of them just, their roster hasn't changed much from last year and they were darn good last year. A couple teams that stand out, UConn, of course, hard for them not to be in that conversation is the defending champs. Duke, Michigan State are teams that have managed to keep their cores more or less together. Duke returning Kyle Filipowski is just such a big, big time move for them. Marquette hasn't really lost anybody yet. I think they're straight in that conversation. Arkansas added like thirty five different guards <laughs> in the transfer portal. L. Ellis from Louisville, uh, Keon Midfield from Washington. They've added a few other guys as well. I think they're going to be right in that conversation. If Zach Eady comes back, you got to count Purdue in that conversation. Uh, Houston is a team that I think is still going to be really, really good, even after losing Marcus Sasser. Miami could be fantastic next year. Nigel Pack is back. Wuka Poplars is back. They've made some big additions in the portal as well. Tennessee just added a pair of really good mid-major transfers, and Chris Ledlam from Harvard, Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado. They get Santiago Vescovi back as well. So that that's nine teams right now. Is Gonzaga on par with those teams? Are they in that conversation? Are teams like Kansas and Kentucky and UCLA and some of those other kind of traditionally blue blood programs, are they ahead of them right now? Where does Gonzaga fit? It's hard to say. I think right now if I were making a top 25 based on the rosters at this moment, I don't think Gonzaga would be in my top 10, but I think that they would be in my top 15. And I think a big addition in the guardroom and the return of Malachi Smith, or excuse me, the return of Anton Watson and either a big addition in the guardroom or the return of Malachi Smith is probably enough for me to put them right in that top 10 conversation uh, here in April, as we are still months and months away from the start of the 2023-24 college basketball season. Well, Graham Ike spoke about his decision to come to Gonzaga and his health after missing last season with a foot injury. We're going to close the show breaking that down coming up right after this. All right, segment three, study patents? still locked on Zags, And I just wanted to give a few quick updates on Graham E.K. that we heard. Uh, a lot of this came from Jim Meehan of the Spokesman Review. Uh, some tweets from him, an article he wrote about Graham E.K. and kind of talked to him about uh, his decision to come to Gonzaga. It's a fantastic article. Check it out. Of course, Jim and Theo at the Spokesman Review do fantastic work. Always, I would not be able to be nearly as effective at my position if I did not have the content that they produce. So definitely check them out. If you don't already, uh, here's a quote. From Graham E.K. I'm just going to read it word for word that he said to Jim Meehan when asked about kind of what prompted him to choose to come to Gonzaga. Quote, what it really was was when I touched the campus and saw the family environment, it was great. There was big love there. It was amazing to see all the players that come back, the former players on staff, and they're all treated like family. I love that element. And I, I think that specifically mentioning former players coming back and being on staff is noteworthy. Because Gonzaga does have former players on staff. Two big ones last year were, of course, Zach Norvell and J.P. Batista. And for Batista, I've thought about this before, and I'm curious. I'd love to be able to get an opportunity to speak to him or speak to somebody about this because I wonder how it impacts players' perception of Gonzaga's kind of family atmosphere to not only see, like, young players' return, but to see players return who've been gone for so long. I I don't know if everybody's different and certainly would impact you differently. But like, if I saw a player who had graduated a year ago, who was back on campus, hanging out with the team, I don't know that that would necessarily move the needle for me all of that much. Like you kind of expect to see that at a lot of other programs. It's kind of, it's, it's less uncommon, but to see a player have a 16 year professional career, the way that JP Batista did Batista, by the way, not a four year player. At Gonzaga, at Gonzaga either, a guy who, who played junior college, who came to Gonzaga for just a few years, then goes on to have this lucrative career. He plays in multiple different countries. He, he's a, an award winner, a champion, uh, a, a guy who decades of decades of time being away from Gonzaga basketball and all over the world. And as soon as his playing career ends at age 40, he comes back to Spokane. And to me, that means more, and I think it sends a message more. I think a player like Graham Ek probably probably weighs that more than. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use Norvell because of the other player. I'm not. <laughs> I think it's great that Zach Norvell's back too. Uh, but for Ek, obviously as a post player, he's going to probably get more out of JP Batista's presence than he might out of Zach Norvell. And I think it probably kind of drives home the family environment which is a direct quote from him it probably drives that point home to see a player at age 40 a have a successful 15-year professional basketball career that always is nice and to see him choose to come back to Spokane and give back to that team and that community and that coach I could see that really driving that point home I could see that really being a a, for anybody for you know in, in an era where college basketball is a little bit more focused on you know, player individuality and and trying to get to, to where they want to go. And it's not that there aren't players who are not team focused and team oriented. There are, and most of them are, but there is there's, there's a lot of attention being paid to players who are more focused on themselves than on the team. I guess that's the best way to put it. And for Ike to see an environment that, that appeals to him because of how team oriented it is, that really shows that not only did he pick, make the right decision, But I think it says a lot about Gonzaga's decision to bring him in because I think they identified that and they saw that this is something that was, that meant something to him that was important to him. And they saw a player who maybe isn't like, I'm just trying to jump school to school to school. I'm going to go to Wyoming. I'm going to go to Gonzaga. I'm going to go to somebody else. I'm going to, you know, like, I don't think that they're getting the impression from him. And to be clear, if you want to transfer multiple times, that's, I'm not trying to trash you on that. I'm not saying that like Efton Reed is a demon for wanting to transfer another time. Like that's, if that's what you want to do, if that's what you feel like you need to do for your career, awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're recruiting players, you obviously want to recruit players to be in your program for multiple years or as many years as they have eligibility left. And I think for Gonzaga, they identified Ek as a player who, who wants that as well. And Ike, certainly his quotes. And again, you know, your first quotes when you join a new team are, are always a little bit generic and I don't know that they should be read into too much, despite the fact that that's what we're doing right now. But I do think that this speaks a little bit to Ek's character and who he wants to be as a Gonzaga basketball player. And I think it's, 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 it it feels like this indicates the match here could be a really, really lucrative one for both sides. I also have curiosity about how much of a role RJ Barsh may have played in this edition RJ Barsh of course the new assistant coach came over from Florida State Uh, he had been at Boise State previously he was at Boise State during EK's career at Wyoming and while while EK was being recruited by Wyoming I did not find any clear indication that Boise State specifically recruited EK when he was a high schooler in Aurora Colorado but I don't I would be it wouldn't be surprising to find out that they did, I guess, let's put it that way. And the EK connection happened very shortly after Barsh took over. We know Barsh has had, had some roles in other things. We know that he's certainly, we're going to talk about a a Florida state transfer tomorrow uh, that very directly connected to RJ Barsh. But I do wonder if EK, how much of a role that played. And I also wonder how much of a role NIL played because it's not being openly talked about. And to be clear, I'm not sure it's ever going to be openly talked about. I'm not sure that it should be openly talked about but i am curious what kind of role it plays because it it matters and it's it's an impactful part of who gonzaga is and if they're shelling out huge amounts of money like more money than we imagine that's telling and noticeable i don't know where it would be coming from but it's interesting if that's the case if they're not shelling out this kind of money and they're still landing high profile players again like we talked about in the first segment that's really notable as well so i on some level wish we had more data on that but it's not my business how much money somebody else has taken home. And I always kind of have believed that, especially about college athletes. So I'm going to kind of leave that alone. But it is an interesting part of this dynamic that, that I think is, is, is something that would give us a lot of information were we to have that information. The last point I want to make about EK is his health because it's, I mean, a big part of his story is that he did not play last year. 2022-23 season, he did not step foot on the floor in a basketball game. Uh, the reason, I'm going to read this entire quote from Jim Meehan word for word right here. He says, quote, Graham E.K. believes he's recovered from foot injury that sidelined him last season, deliberately not rushing his return and well-versed on how numerous NBA players dealt with similar injuries, plans on going full speed at Gonzaga summer workouts, quote, without a doubt, E.K. said and tweet. So there you go. Grammy He's he's ready to roll. He's still working through it. He's still aware of how long this stuff takes and aware of the process that he needs to go through. But it sounds like he is ready to be full go as soon as summer, which means even if Gonzaga is like, hey, we, we want you to take it a little bit slow early. There's there's barring a setback, which, of course, could happen. It's happened before. Barring a setback, it sounds like there's no reason to believe that Graham E.K. won't be an active participant on Craziness in the Kennel and an active participant for this team as soon as day one. But it is a story worth continuing to monitor because his health is going to matter a lot for this team, especially if they want to get into that top 10, top five conversation in early November. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Plenty more coming your way this week. Uh, Also, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast if you have not done so yet. Uh, It is fantastic. We talked about Gonzaga on Monday's show, so you can definitely give it a listen there. Uh, That you can find wherever you get podcasts. You can also find it on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button. While you're there, go hit your subscribe button to Locked On Zags as well. Both shows growing tremendously on YouTube, and I sincerely appreciate every single one of you who has given them a listen, whether it's your first time, 10th time, 100th time, whatever it may be. Thank you all for making Locked on Zags and Locked on College Basketball what they are today. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you again all for listening. And of course, as always, go Zags.